Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. Hello, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, a Walhalla podcast. We're here today with Dave Karcham, and we're going to talk about his involvement with USC and Walhalla. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. So, Dave, tell me a little bit about your stroke and your recovery. Sure. I had a, uh, a right brain stroke in 2009. It affected my um, visual cortex also, so I had three blood clots, which affected my balance, my speech, my ability to swallow. It also affected my sense of smell and taste. My left side was um, basically uh, paralyzed. How long ago was this? In 2009, just almost seven years, 10 months. Do you feel like you've made great recovery at this point? Well, yes. um, I'm considerably different than I was at the time. Um, When I first uh, had my stroke, I was in a rehab hospital, luckily, where the, um, my neurologist uh, from my HMO sent me to a rehab hospital as opposed to going to a nursing home, which I was very lucky to have happen because a week after my stroke, I had another blood clot behind my unaffected side, which I'm pretty sure would never have been found at a nursing home. So a week after my initial stroke, I went back to uh, and had vascular surgery to remove the blood clot behind my right unaffected side knee. It was a very subtle kind of thing that they discovered in the, in the rehab hospital. Otherwise, I might have lost my right leg, which is my strong side, unaffected side. You've had quite a journey then at this point. Well, um, I've survived yeah, a long time, yes. Yeah. So can you share with us what you're doing with the University of Southern California? Yes, I've been very lucky that uh, I've been a volunteer, but there and other places during the last, uh, mostly during the first five years of my uh, rehabilitation, I worked, um, I've been a volunteer for at USC for their physical therapy and biokinesiology division, which trains students physical therapists, and they also conduct a lot of research there. And I, so I've been involved in things like um, gait training, how they train people to walk better and to recover uh, walking. I've been involved in um, search laboratories there, computer-aided learning, robotic uh, movement devices, uh, various drug therapies, although I'm not um, specifically involved in their drug trials. I have learned a lot about drug therapies that my doctors have prescribed for me, and so we've monitored that very carefully over the years. That sounds great. It sounds like you're really involved in the kind of researching or helping to understand stroke. Do things with your local stroke support group? There's a... in, the, in our area, there's probably, in Southern California, there's about 70 local support groups all over this part of Southern California. But um, when you look at the numbers, I mean, we're talking about, um, in the United States, there's something like um, 
like uh, six and a half million people who have strokes who are survivors. And there's about a thousand support groups, which means we're talking about 6,500 people per group. And since the average support group has about 20 active people, we're, we're missing many people. That means there's 6,480 people who are, who've had strokes that are not getting any active um, support from their local support groups. So, you know, it's a very bleak situation in, in my opinion. And the reason I say bleak is because when you look at all the people that are out there that have had strokes who have questions or, you know, are struggling to survive, you know, the, the real problem becomes um, when people, they go through several stages of this. The first part is really right after your stroke, which is the post-acute phase that, um, you know, you're more interested in things like how do you get dressed and how do you eat and how do you go to the bathroom and so on. And then as you, as you go farther into your stroke, longer time, uh, you start looking at, well, how am I going to live my life? You know, my involvement with my family, my grandchildren, my children, uh, friends, you know, going to the movies, going to um, to baseball games and, and soccer matches and so on, that, um, you know, you need to be able to get your life going again. So when you look at these ratios of the people that are actually active, you know, you see the same 20 people maybe for a few months, and then some of them drop off. And the attrition is due to the distance that they live from, from where the stroke support group you know, is, is uh, actually working where uh, they have other commitments. They, um, they also have a lack of transportation. And then the other thing is the topics. I mean, you know, um, what's interesting to me is not, is not something that's as interesting or readily interesting to somebody who's just had a stroke. And so, uh, you know, when you go through the post-acute phase, and most of the time, people in the post-acute phase are asking, when am I going to get better? How long is it going to take? And what is it going to take to get me better? Whereas myself and many people who are much longer post-acute are interested in more things. How are we going to get our lives moving again and participating in things? I'm very lucky that I have the motivation to... Uh, to volunteer. I have volunteered at the rehab support hospital where I was um, a patient. I volunteered at the um, at Rancho Los Amigos, which is the National Rehab Center, about 45 miles from my house. I volunteered at the, um, at the Independent Living Center, which is a uh, support organization for not just for people who've had strokes, but for people who recovering from many different kinds of things and are either homeless or, um, or they, uh, you know, need medical care and other kinds of services to survive. Dave, it sounds like you keep quite busy. I'm very busy. I try to keep myself going six and a half days a week. I like that because I think that's what continues to help us get better or do better. I do want to share with you, I run two stroke support groups here. One is in a very rural area and there's nothing close. So that hits on several things that you talked about, about transportation and not having access to a, a local support group. My other support group is here in the St. Louis area 
And that still has the transportation problem. I'm sure there's many other problems because it took me two or three months for myself to be able to go to the support group. And um, a couple of months then after that, I was asked to run it. But I think the biggest thing is people are afraid to go. If they can get there, I think they're afraid to go. They don't. It's not that they don't want to hear what is being said. I think I, I think it's more that they're afraid that they're going to be told or something that that they aren't going to recover uh, fully, or that you know they're just going to hear things they don't want to hear. What do you think about that? Well, I agree with you, and I um, I'm very lucky in that I've always uh, had the uh, I sort of have certain ideas, what I call, the first one relates to, and this is the research project that I would like to work on. I should mention that, uh, that I've applied to a uh, PhD program at USC, which is um, in, um, in a occupational science. And what I would like to research is what I call the rehabilitation myth of limited time of recovery. This is typically when a, a physical medicine doctor early in your rehabilitation tells you something like, well, if, you're not, if you don't recover the function in the first 90 days or six months, that you may probably never will. And I think they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to set proper expectations, but I consider it also to be that they're trying to limit the amount of, um, of a medical care that is provided to people. And the reason for doing that is because of the cost of, uh, of rehabilitation. But as we find that people that become very isolated, you know, they, they're less healthy, they have a less chance of survival. So if we could find a way to help break through this myth and get people to understand, I mean, in my own case, I did not have functionality of my left hand, my left wrist and fingers for the first six years, seven months, and 19 days. And uh, then I suddenly, uh, I was at actually a New Year's Eve party where I began to smell food for the first time in, since my stroke. And that was the same period of time, six years, seven months. And then I began to taste food for the first time. Now, I'll tell you, there's good things and bad things about that. The good <laughs> thing is that I, I food tastes so good these days. The bad thing is in 14 months since then, I've gained 12 pounds. And um, so I have to be careful about that. But, um, you know, everybody recovers from a stroke differently because of where the stroke is and what the stroke affects. There's no just one common thing that that affects everybody. That you know everybody is the same and will have the same recovery. But um, then the other thing is, I remember reading a um, Jonathan Kellerman in a book that he called the title of the book was Therapy in 2004, and he said to everyone else, "I look okay." Everyone keeps telling me I look better. However, I'm not okay. I'm like one of those Android movies. It's not me anymore. I'm in, still in the box I came in, but someone's screwing around with the wiring inside. And that's really a good description of what happens. And then I, uh, another book, or another movie, Back to the Future, 1989, one of the lines in there was, uh, nothing is impossible, it's just a matter of figuring out how. So you're at home and you want to um, hang a picture on the wall, but you only have one hand to do it with. So how do you figure out a way so that you can hang a picture? There are many different kinds of 
problems like that that we've been able to figure out. Mm -hmm. I, for example, for very long distances and when I have to carry heavy things, I have a mobility, a little electric mobility scooter that I was lucky enough to be able to buy. I can open it up with one hand and set it up and I carry it in the trunk of my car. I'm able to use that, uh, but I needed to repair the brake wiring. So I had to figure out a way to do this one-handed, which took me a while, but I figured it out and I repaired the brake cable. There's many other things like you want to, uh, you want to make food for yourself. Well, how do you hold food in position so you can cut properly? There are devices that help us with that. They're one of the most common things is that people have had a stroke use a cane or, they, um, or they're using a walker. Well, those are great devices initially, but look at, look at how most people walk with a cane. They're hunched over. They're looking down at the ground. I found um, a walking stick that uh, is used for hiking in the mountains, and, um, and what it does is it gets you to stand up straighter so you have better posture and you have a better view of the world. It also works on your balance so that you're more aware of what you're doing and you're able to survive things better. Two months right. after I got the walking stick, I took a hike in the Santa Monica Mountains, across two creek beds and up a, up a mountainside. You know, those are things that you have to start to get, let your life develop again after a stroke. You know, the, only common, the only common thing for people who've had a stroke is that you feel very disassociated from your life and you feel separate from other people. The advantage of the stroke support groups and why they're so important is because they help us connect each other and we can talk about things that are common among us and we can socialize, especially right. for people who live alone and independent. One new right. project that I should mention that I'm working on, it's, this is my soapbox, is um, disaster preparedness. Where I live in California, you know, we're very prone to earthquakes. And when they happen, we could be cut off for a number of days in a row. In the Midwest and in the Southwest, you know, you get the big floods that um, can cut people off. So what are independent seniors and independent people who've had uh, strokes and other uh, disabilities, what are they doing to um, prepare for the floods or the disasters? And then I just recently heard a description. Somebody said, I'm not disabled. I just have a few impairments, things that I can't do that some other people can do. But I have the ability to do things that some people can't do. So I'm not disabled in everything. And... Um, and so I think that that's really the spirit that um, we have to move forward. We have to constantly keep looking for new things and, and push ourselves forward. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. The website address is https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala 
which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.